Welcome to The Automators. I'm David Sparks and joined by my co-host Rosemary Orchard. And this is where we talk about how to automate your technology to do your bidding for you. Hello, Rose. Hey, David. How are you? Good. Good. I'm fresh back from a, a fun vacation. This is the first thing I've done is I've sat back in my desk and I miss talking to you. Well, I'm, gl- I'm glad you missed talking to me. I'm sure you would prefer to be doing it off a few more hours sleep. Folks, David let me know that he got home at three o'clock in the morning, and I don't know what time it is there. It feels like it must be seven for you or something. I'm sure it isn't. I don't but... know. It's a time time thing. You know, I don't I yeah. don't get it, you know. So we had yeah. a, we were far away, so time zone shift, whatever. I'll be fine. I'll be <laughs> fine. The automators <laughs> always inspires me, so there's always a lot to talk about. Um, today, oh, yeah. we actually have a... Um, a couple things going on in the bonus section, the automators max Rose has been setting up a smart home for her parents in France where she is not located. And that has been a challenge. So we're going to be talking about that, how to set up a smart home remotely. I think that's going to be really helpful for people that are also helping parents and families and friends. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd love to turn this into an episode further down the line. Once I'm outside the experimentation phase too. Sure. I think we will. And the other thing is uh, today we're going to be talking about small automation tools. I mean, quite often on the show, we get down the rabbit hole of Apple script or keyboard maestro, or one of the, you know, the big players in automation space that we uh, like to cover, but also Rose and I use a lot of little tools for automation None of them really get their own show, but we thought we'd like to at least point you at them and talk about some of the things we can do with them. So that's what we're going to do today. Uh, Rose also has an announcement. I do. Uh, Take Control of Shortcuts 2 is out with Take Control Books, Um, and I'm very excited. I've added loads more stuff to the book, so many example shortcuts, and I'm already updating it for iOS 16 and macOS Ventura, which will be a free update uh, when they come out later this year. So yeah, it's, it's very exciting. I'm hearing some great feedback from folks who are getting lots of ideas of focus modes and related things and how to work around pesky things like a focus mode enabling itself on a work day, but it's actually a holiday and things like that. So it's, yeah. it's nice that I've been able to help some people. Yeah. And I got also in, I just recently released as well is the iOS um, 15 update for the shortcuts for, for iPhone field guide. You know, both of us uh, had a struggle this year <laughs> because I think of the uh, shortcuts for Mac bugs, it slowed down kind of the production cycle, but um, I'm glad we were able to get those things shipped and uh, yes. it's, it's great. And things are on such more of a, f- a firm foundation. Now you really can yes. feel it going in with iOS 16. I don't think we're going to have nearly the, the trouble we did last year kind of getting things put together yes exactly things feel a lot more stable and also um you know there's just some other great features that are are sneaking in there which i'm sure a lot of folks are looking forward to and especially on ios you know they're they're really enhancing things and i suspect we're going to continue to see improvements throughout the year again which is definitely an ongoing theme with shortcuts and indeed all automation systems people are you know doing great big releases with the new big versions of iOS um, and macOS, but then they're continuing to iterate and add new, cool new things throughout the year. And uh, I really love that developers don't feel beholden to the Apple release cycle because yeah. they, they shouldn't be. And it also gives us way more to talk about all year round instead of talking about something three months after it's released. <laughs> I, I really do feel like the story of the next year for shortcuts is going to be the expansion of developer support. It, it's like we've reached some yeah. sort of threshold 
where a lot of people who were sitting on the sidelines are getting off the sidelines and building shortcuts. And, and I know that with um, iOS 16 and macOS uh, Ventura, they have made it easier to add shortcut support, in some cases even automatically adding support. Um, but I, I just can't help but feel like one of the big things is going to be the way third-party developers make shortcuts better over the next year. Yes, it definitely will be. And honestly, I'm seeing a whole bunch of developers, you know, trying to figure out what it is that they want to do uh, with these things and, you know, considering replacing um, some of their existing things. And also lots of new developers who haven't added shortcut support before because it was too difficult or people weren't going to discover them because that's the other problem, right? You People won't use shortcuts if there are no actions that they want, but also there's no point adding actions to shortcuts if people won't find out they exist. Yeah, the chicken so and the I egg. Think, yeah. yeah, I think the new discoverability with um, at the bottom of the menu there in iOS 16 and macOS Ventura is really going to help matters with, for, you know, developers and consumers, you know, people who are looking to see, hey, like, what can I do? Um, with these things and how can I make it into a quick button that I can talk to with Siri and so on and so forth. So it's good to see. It's a great time to learn shortcuts and take control of Shortcuts 2.0 by Rosemary Orchard is a great place to get started. Yeah. If you had the previous version, there's a 50% off code in the back as well. So don't forget to check that out. Um, All right. So we're going to get into small automation tools today. Let's just dig right in. Uh, Let's start with iOS. And yeah. all of the cool little stuff we've got on iOS. Yeah, I mean, there's loads of great apps. And uh, honestly, we're not going to cover everything today. And I feel really bad about it. So, you know, please feel free, post in the forum, send us um, feedback on, you know, what your favorite things are. But for iOS, there are a couple of great utilities that I've been using for ages, which really help automate things or I'm going to start with one that saves me automation pain or saves me a pain of things that can't be automated. David, have you ever had default room magically appear in the home app on iOS and macOS where some accessories have just magically moved themselves and they now live in this great place called default room, um, which is the the worst room. I wish I could find it. I, I can't. I've walked all over my house. I cannot find default room. I don't know where it is. I know. I mean, if it was the room of requirement and it appeared when you needed it and then there was this great place to store all these extra things and there was a cinema in there, I'd love it. But as it is, it's 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 a bug basically in HomeKit where sometimes things kind of lose which room they were in somehow. I'm not quite sure how or why. Um, and so they get moved to this place called the default room. And I hate this. I'm sure everybody who has ever experienced this hates it, especially when you use things like your, your HomePod to say, to your HomePod, hey, Apple lady, um, you know, turn off the lights because the HomePod will turn off the lights that are in the same home room as it is in, um, which is, you know, a, a great feature unless your lights moved. So I use this app called Controller for HomeKit, which is available on iOS. There's a macOS version as well. And you can back up HomeKit in it. And it backs up everything, you know, like um, your scenes and your location of devices and names and so on and so forth. And so you can back everything up. And then, you know, I just do this on a regular basis. And then if uh, default room strikes, I can just roll back to the last backup. Because to be honest, I don't tend to go in and change things in my HomeKit setup on a very regular basis. Um, so this works for me. But also if I go in and I make a bunch of changes, then I can just run into control of HomeKit and hit backup. And then I'm good to go. Um, you know, I've got everything, you know, back how I wanted it. Um, and there is another sneaky feature of this that you can do if you are replacing something like a light bulb. 
um, then what you can do is you can back everything up. You can remove the old light bulb, add the new light bulb, and then you can restore your backup and then you can match up like the old to the new, even though they weren't the same device, you can link them. So it's a great way of replacing things without having to redo all of your automations again and find everything that something was in and, you know, that it's somehow no longer working or that, you know, the scene just disappeared because it was the only thing in there, things like that. So that that's a very useful feature. And I it's a great app that I really like. Yeah. Uh, Controller is a subscription app. It's about $19 for a year. And it has a lot more than backups. I mean, it gives you yes. a lot of troubleshooting tools, logs, maintenance, um, and it gives you the traditional HomeKit tools as well, room management, yes. scene management. I, I do wish that Apple built this stuff into HomeKit. I feel like their desire to make it user-friendly sometimes goes a little bit too far with home automation stuff. Yeah, yeah. This is very definitely a, a fabulous app for anybody who wants to nerd out about this stuff. It also does things like give you widgets um, and it has NFC tag support, all things so that you can, you know, quickly jump to viewing camera from your home screen and controlling scenes to, you know, doing whatever it is that you, you want or need. Um, and it works on macOS. So, you know, for me, it's certainly been a, a useful automation tool in that I don't have to redo everything all the time. And there is nothing more frustrating than getting, you know, a whole setup just how you want. And then default room enters the room yeah. uh, and throws everything off. Um, it's frustrating, but hey, there is a workaround for this. Uh, hopefully that default room bug is going to go away with iOS 16. But you know what? I'm still going to be using controller for HomeKit. Do you, uh, what do you think of HomeKit for iOS 16 and Mac OS Renter? Have you spent much time with it yet? Yeah, so I spent quite a bit of time with it. Um, and um, generally, I'm finding it pretty great. Uh, I am finding it to be a bit buggy. Um, that's not unexpected, considering the fact that I'm running a beta. Um, but it does kind of seem to have some of the same bugs as iOS 15, you know, where you go to move something from one room to another, and you change the room, and then you you tap out of the field, and then it resets it back to the room it was just in. Um, that is one that got me about six or seven times in a row the other day until I just gave up and grabbed my iPad mini still running iOS 15 and just moved it on there and it worked. But I've had that same problem before, um, on iOS 15. So, you know, that, that's not a new bug. Um, it's just, you know, showing up weirdly, I yes. guess, uh, now because it really it, like the thing bounces away and then it comes back up in front of you. Um, so it very much feels like it's, it's a bug bug now, as opposed to just something not being saved like it was before. Um, but either way, other than that, I'm finding it pretty great. It took me a little while to figure out like what I wanted to see on the home page of the home app. Um, because you can customize your preferences there to say like, you know, these, these accessories should show up here. Um, and, and so on and so forth. Um, but it did lead me to find a really cool feature that I didn't have enabled in CarPlay, David, which is Siri suggestions, because, um, I've set up my, my patio door lock. Um, now I've, I've done this using home system, but I set up my patio door lock to be a garage because I don't have a garage. Okay. I just park outside. Yeah. Um, but it means that when I get home, like the, the suggestions on the dashboard. So what I'll have is I'll have, um, you know, the maps in the column. And then on the other side of that, they've got the, the playing music, um, and, um, whatever there, there's another thing above it. And then at the bottom, uh, it, uh, in pops a series suggestion and that series suggestion is open the patio doors. 
yeah. um, because That's I've nice. called my garage patio doors. And so now I can tap on that as I get out the car and I've, I've set it up. There's a little bit of a delay so I can tap it, get out the car and grab my bag. And then I can walk over to the patio doors. It unlocks. Um, and that, that is amazing. Um, so I'm, I'm really enjoying the, the, the iOS 15 in, in that case, but iOS 16 features of, of the home app because you know i've got my things in favorites and i can see you know i can quickly scroll across the cameras at the top and i love the fact that you know you've got these little bubbles with being able to see like for your home very quickly your your average climate and that that is on the lock screen too so i've got on my lock screen i can see that there are two lights on that the air quality in my home is great and that the temperature ranges between 21 and 26.3 degrees that's celsius for everybody who's getting a bit concerned uh don't worry i'm not freezing over here yeah, I, I really think that um, the UI is a lot better, like a yeah. much needed UI overhaul. But in terms of like under the hood power tools, the apps like controller for HomeKit are going to be just fine. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and there's such an ecosystem around HomeKit now. We've done this in the past, but I think we probably need to come back to it maybe after all the stuff ships and just take a look at, you know, what are the recommended third party HomeKit apps now? Because Anybody that wants to kind of like really dig in on this stuff is going to need a few of them. And uh, yes. HomeKit for uh, controller for HomeKit, I think, is an excellent one for that. One other thing before we move on, and I know this is kind of off topic a little bit, but I put a HomeKit enabled door lock in my front door a couple of years ago, and I just have zero regrets. And it is so good to have that thing. A couple times, you know, it saved my bacon. When um, a family member got home before me and they didn't have a key for whatever reason, I could just push a button and unlock the door for them. And I uh, and also like, you know, when you're laying in bed, and you're like, did I lock the front door? Well, you just open your phone and you can see if it's locked or not. And if it's unlocked, you push a button and you can hear the the lock closing downstairs. It's very nice. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really like um you know, having having that built in, you know, when I hit the button to go to bed, if my locks are unlocked, um, then the lights in my my room flash red at me so that I'll know that there's, you know, an unlocked lock. But I also by upgrading to smart locks, um, now I have multi-point locks on, on my main doors. And so you lift the handle to engage the locking mechanism. Um, but when I lift the handle, it just locks immediately. Yeah. So it's not a case of I've lifted the handle, but I've forgotten to put the key in and turn the key or anything like that. I now have thumb screws, thumb turns on the inside, which is actually safer and required uh, nowadays so that if there were a problem of like, I can actually get out without having to go and find a key or try and break a window, which ain't yeah. happening. Um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely really nice having, having those smart locks. And uh, I really appreciate the fact that, that I have them. I, I nearly locked myself out a little while ago. I left the house uh, without keys um at all um i actually left without my phone as well david um don't ask me how i managed that but i, I went to go out and i lifted the lock uh that handle and walked out and i was about two minutes down the road on foot and went i don't have any keys with me at all yeah hmm well i guess i don't have a backup for the solution that i always use and always works uh I, I was fine. It, it was fine. And then I found out that I had actually stashed a NFC tag for one of my locks or for all of my locks because they all use NFC tags in my bag. Um, but yeah, <laughs> that was uh, that was certainly one of those moments of like, this should be fine, but this could go very wrong. Hmm. I'm definitely going to put more in my house when budget allows because I, I just find it very useful. But either yes. way, we're talking Great. about iOS little automation tools. That one that I really like, and it's come up on the show before, but um, and I know you like this one too, is Text Case. 
Yes. Yeah, text case is great. So, uh, you know, Shortcuts has features to format text based uh, into various cases, but text case takes it a step further by giving you what feels like every possible option under the sun. I usually use the Slugify option for a lot of things, so that just lowercases everything and replaces spaces with underscores and turns it from, you know, something that you would type as a sentence into something the with, you know, that sort of folder path structure that you might find on a website. And it's incredibly helpful and it saves me a lot of time every day. And I don't really think about it. It's just built into probably 20 or 30 shortcuts that I use. Yeah, I mean, it supercharges shortcuts. Um, but it also is an independent app where you can run automations in it, you know, and they have them, yeah. they, they call them flows and formats. And like, if you routinely get text off the web, or if somebody, if something in your workflow, you know, gets you text that needs cleaning on a regular basis, you can set up an automation right in text case. So, and I, and I get that you could also do this in shortcuts, but I mean, it's nice to know that this could, you could do this either way. Yeah. Yeah. It also supercharges things like the replace text action. So the replace text action that you can use with um, text case allows you to replace all occurrences of um, something, but it can also just say, hey, replace the first one of these or the last one of these, which is very useful at times. I have to say it's one of those things I don't really think about until I'm going, oh, no, actually, this word appears six or seven times in this, but I only replace the first word or, you know, phrase um, that first time. And so, yeah, it's it's a great app. Um, and it's uh, $1.99 on the App Store. Um, Crazy. For, you know, Crazy. Yeah, it's, I, or at least it was $1.99 when I bought it. I'm not 100% certain now, of course, but uh, I'm sure it's, uh, it's a very good app either way. So uh, worth it. And it runs on the Mac and it gives you all those cool automation tools and shortcuts on the Mac too. I mean, yes. a bunch of the stuff I covered in the Shortcuts for Mac Field Guide when I wanted to modify text you know, you're trying to write these Byzantine, you know, regular expressions or whatever to fix something. And then you go to text case and there's a single action. You just drag in and yes. it's done. It's such an easy buy. Yes, I've just checked. It's by Chris Hanner. It's $2.99. Um, but to make up for that one extra dollar cost, I've also just checked. It's got a custom dictionary, which is something I thought it had. So if you've got words, especially this might be uh, something that happens at work, there are certain things that you've got which are proper nouns so they've got a capital letter at the start or just like ios the first case the first letter is lowercase and then the second two letters are uppercase anything like that you can add those to a custom dictionary obviously ios iphone things like that are going to be automatically correctly capitalized um but for for any custom options um you know there's the custom dictionary built in which definitely uh makes my life a lot easier yeah yeah Okay, we got a couple more that are yes. excellent little automation tools. Uh, I, I, can we start with PushCut? I feel like we don't give that enough love. Yes, yeah, we can start with PushCut because I honestly, I feel really bad sometimes. I continually forget that I use PushCut because it's just running on an iPhone um, and it, it's just sat there like on, on the bookcase and I don't see it really and I don't, I don't think about it until suddenly I notice that, hey, uh, you know, this thing that usually is just done isn't done and that's why i check and it's usually that you know like there's a, a pop-up in one of the apps that it's trying to run an action in and so it opens that app and then it, it bounces back to shortcuts and shortcuts goes back to push cut but that that app couldn't do the action because it had a thing in it that it wanted you to acknowledge um and so you know that that happens rarely but i other than that i'm i'm finding push cut absolutely amazing can, can you explain for people the problem that that app solves 
Yeah. So the problem, I mean, there's multiple problems that this app solves because it doesn't just do one thing. So originally Pushcut was based around, um, you know, hey, at this time of day, it's not that I want to run this scene with HomeKit. I want to have a choice of scenes that I run with HomeKit. Like, do I want to run my, um, you know, evening uh, scene or do I want to run my cooking scene or do I want to run my relaxing scene? And so the idea is that you would get an interactive notification and you tap it and you, you choose whichever of the options that it pops up and choose it and that it would just run that scene for you. Um, but of course, it can then run a shortcut when you get a notification. And so this, you know, the location trigger in Shortcuts, David, where, you know, it'll pop up when you get to a particular place and just say, hey, do you want to run your shortcut? Yeah. Um, Pushcut can be better than that in that it can do those location triggers as well. And just like Shortcuts, it'll have to ask you before it runs. But as well as saying a location, you can only you can say only do this Monday to Friday, nine to five. Um, or whatever it is. So if you want a, a push notification when you're arriving at a specific store, um, but only during their opening hours because you drive past there on weekends, on the way home after visiting friends, and you don't want a notification popping up, then you can actually restrict that um, as well, which you know is great. And you can also have it delay your notification. Um, so they'll only show up if you've been at a place for, say, 20 minutes or you know whatever. Um, but, you know, as well as that, it's got custom widgets, which can be updated automatically based on, you know, data that you're you're sending to your iPhone from, say, Zapier and things like that and shortcuts running. Um, and then my favorite part, my absolute favorite part has to be the automation server where, um, you know, the, the automation server just sits on a phone and it's just running all the time. And it runs shortcuts periodically. There's things that are scheduled. Um, so it's running those based on, you know, the actual schedule that's on there that I've set up and I'm controlling. But it's also running um, the whatever is received from the internet. So when a new episode of Automators goes out, it pings a, a push cut URL and that runs a shortcut and magic happens. And I'm, I just love it. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of really the coolest part of it, right? You can turn it into an automation server. Yeah. I, I like it. Uh, you know, now you are using it more than I am, though. I, I haven't, you know, done what you did. You took an old phone and just turned it into a push cut server. And yes. uh, I, I think I need to do that. Or even just like my like my iPad mini, which I largely keep next to the bed. I can keep that plugged in and run that as a push cut server. What are... What are some of the things I could do with that if I hooked that up? Well, one of the things I've got it doing, which I'm guessing will probably appeal to you and a, a chunk of our listeners, David, is uh, automatically cleaning up my OmniFocus inbox. So I have an Omni automation script, um, you know, we, we had to on the last show, and it's, you know, one of the JavaScript scripts um, that you can create for uh, OmniFocus. And that will just pick out things that are in my inbox and clean them up automatically as much as it can. Um, so it will take things like, you know, if I've shared something to OmniFocus that's from a specific store's website, then it will clean it up, um, remove any of the extra information I don't need from the title, add the tag for the store and move it into the, the shopping list that I have, um, so that that just disappears. Um, and that is something that I have run automatically. It's run, I think it's every 30 minutes, um, for me. And so whenever I, you know, a look at my OmniFocus inbox, there aren't those things that I would have to do repeatedly that I know how to do uh, in my OmniFocus inbox. They're just magically dealt with for me. 
Um, but it's also running things like sending messages later where it'll just check to see whether or not there are any messages that are scheduled that should be sent. Um, it'll import uh, things into Jew or OmniFocus as is appropriate. Um, it'll um, magically build up various different list kinds for me. And uh, of course, uh, you know, the the evergreen one of just grab some data and put it somewhere so that other shortcuts then have access to it without having to go and fetch it themselves because it's needed in six or seven shortcuts. Um, and so I just grab that data and I shove it into data jar. So you've said data jar. Let's talk about that one. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it, it's just a great place to store data that you're going to use across multiple shortcuts. It's available on iOS and macOS. And, you know, it has that the ability to save data and also go in and edit it really easily. Um, you know, Toolbox Pro has a similar feature with global variables. Um, but I, I just like DataJar for this. Um, there's nothing wrong with using Toolbox Pro for it. But certainly, if you're not yet using global variables, uh, then definitely take a look at DataJar and or Toolbox Pro to up your game. Toolbox Pro, of course, has global variables as well as all of the, oh my gosh, I don't know how many extra actions that it can add to shortcuts for doing all sorts of things like yeah. checking if you're in dark mode. Um, but, um, you know, it, it's certainly both both of those apps are other great apps to enhance your iOS uh, automation experience. I mean, like data jar, I've got stuff in there. I've even got like dumb stuff in there, like my email address and my name, my phone number. And that just makes it so easy to call that stuff in any shortcut. And yeah, um, I that one is is a real easy use case. You know, once you start yes. using it and if you do work stuff, it's even better. Right. I mean, if you want to do special variables for things you use across different work automations and then if anything yeah. changes, you go in, you change it in data jar once and it's done everywhere. Yeah. I mean, I use it kind of like a mini database. I have an example in here. I've got airline check-in information. And so, um, you know, airline or flight codes have uh, a yeah. specific format, right? There is usually two two letters for the airline and then the, the flight number. And so um, this was built, obviously, when I was flying and, and traveling a lot more than I currently do. But, you know, I'll still use it when I do fly again. Um, and basically what it'll do is it'll just match that, that prefix out of a calendar events on a particular calendar, my trip it calendar. And then this returns the number of hours before I can check into the flight. Nice. And so if I look up L, uh, LH for Lufthansa, it'll tell me 23 so that then it can calculate 23 hours before and set a reminder in due to check in for the flight. Um, and like stuff like that, you know, if something changes, then I'm going to want to change that everywhere I'm using you know, this information, but it's also just nice to be able to just check in and go, oh, right. Yes. I, I actually know the Austrian have updated their, their check-in time. It's no longer, uh, 48 hours It's 47 hours. So I'm just going to change that, um, so that I will be able to check in for my flight. Um, and I'll get a reminder at the right time. So yeah, great for all sorts of info. This episode of Automators is brought to you by Setup. There's an app for everything these days. Some are great and others not so much. How do you quickly find the right one for you? A great way to discover new quality apps and get all the tools you need to get work done is Setup, a subscription for Mac and iPhone apps. Setup packs over 240 high quality apps into one. There's an app for almost any task, so you don't need to look in tons of places to find what you need. With Setup, you can think about your tasks, not apps. Setup has a dedicated curation team that only selects the highest quality apps Plus, instead of paying thousands of dollars for separate licenses, there's just one flat monthly fee. 
New apps are added to set out regularly. Updates are free and all features are in every app. They're full featured pro versions. Until 15th of September, use the code automators to get a free one month trial. Head over to setapp.com and redeem your code. That's setapp.com code automators in all caps. Our thanks to Setup for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. All right, let's move over to the Mac. Um, there's one here that almost does get its own show at some point. Better Touch Tool. I, I love this mm-hmm. app so much, Rose. Oh yeah, yeah, it's so great, right? It, it, it again, it, it's very much like push cutting that it's so many applications in one. Um, you know, it, it it does trackpad controls, it does Mac controls, it does customizing your touch bar. If you've got a device with a touch bar, you can connect a Siri remote to your Mac and have it do ma- amazing things there. Or you can just replace the Stream Deck software with better touch tool now. That That's yeah. an option. Like, I didn't, I, I kind of saw it coming, but I also didn't see it coming. And then it's like, okay, wow, thank you. Uh, this is great. Um, and I just love the options, all of the options. And it, it has like the mother load of shortcuts actions if you do shortcuts. But I, what I want to focus on for today is just better touch tool as an automation tool. And uh, there is a lot you can do with better touch tool as an automation tool. I mean, uh, to start with, it's got the hyper key now built in, you know, you used to have to get, um, what is it? Carabiner elements to set up the hyper key. Now you mm-hmm. can do that right in better touch tool. I like that because Better Touch Tool is more of a kind of a classic Mac app as opposed to Carabiner Elements, which uh, makes me a little nervous, you know. Um, uh, but, you know, that's just a start. I mean, once you get in there, you can map keyboard shortcuts. You can do all sorts of cool things. Like I was doing a thing for a while in Apple Mail where I was mapping, moving um, uh, messages to different mailboxes via Better Touch Tools chain commands where you could have you can chain mm-hmm. different commands together in better touch tool. I mean, it's like a little mini version of keyboard maestro in that sense. Um, some other stuff I've done with better touch tool, man, there's just so much over the years. So anytime I kind of run into an a little right. automation problem, quite often better touch tool feels like a way to solve a problem, particularly if it's input or keyboard related. Definitely. Definitely. It It is just, amazing how many things it can solve. And one of the things that I stumbled across recently is I was having a little trouble automating one of the buttons on my mice. Um, And of course, this is a problem that probably relatively few people will run into. But the solution that I found uh, on the Better Touch Tool forums, which uh, I will put a link to in the show notes, um, is perhaps worth noting for some folks. So you would think that when you're automating a mouse button, right, that what you should do is you should add the mouse button and then you click to select your trigger, um, and then the thing happens. Uh, except I was clicking my mouse button, and nothing was happening. And I was very confused. You know, why is nothing happening? This doesn't make sense. Uh, and then I found out on the Better Touch Tool forums that some buttons actually just tell the the OS that they're inputting um, uh, instead that they're actually inputting a, a specific keyboard shortcut. And so therefore, if you go over to the keyboard shortcut sec- uh, area, um, or uh, it might have been, um, yeah, it, it was keyboard shortcuts, I've just checked, um, then you can, you know, add a keyboard shortcut. And then when you 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 click in the type shortcut area with the button, then it will uh, magically manage to do exactly what it is that you're hoping for. Um, and so that solved that problem right there for me, which was great. But also I keep 
you know, I keep forgetting about things like, you know, there are, there are MIDI triggers um, and drawings. The drawings one I actually use quite a bit. Um, I, like, I don't even think about it. I just kind of vaguely draw an arrow with my mouse and then it takes me left or right depending on where I am. Um, really? And that's, yeah. that's really I've useful. I've never used, but, you know, I've yeah. played with that, but I've never really, fe- I, I felt like I never would actually use that in practice. Okay, good. Yeah, I mean, I found that I ended up using it, but the thing that really, um, you know, makes all of this so useful for me is um, I have a lot of things set up in Better Touch Tool, and they are very rarely under the All Apps section. The, the yeah. part that really makes it magical is being able to say, do this in this app. Yep. So when I hit this keyboard shortcut in this application, do these things, but don't do it when I'm in another application. That's a that's a good general rule. Yeah, because there are so many things where you don't want something to happen, you know, when you globally hit, say, Command Shift D. But when you're in this application and that application, you'd like it to do this other thing. Um, and, you know, I, I have this, um, I use a great application called Dash for um, developer documentation. I really love it. It syncs things offline um, and, and so on. Um, and PHPStorm, the IDE that I use, um, has a plugin so that when I hit Command Shift D, uh, it will open the documentation for the, the, the word or command that I have selected. But the database tools that I use don't have this plugin option. And so I just set it up in um, Better Touch Tool that when I hit that keyboard shortcut in uh, those applications, that it also opens uh, Dash with you know what I've got selected. And that, that works really well for me. I'm really pleased with it. Yeah, like I I don't like the Apple Mail default send button, which is Command Shift D. You had mentioned that earlier, so I I don't really understand how that would ever became the keyboard shortcut to send an email. But um, you know, Shift Deliver. Enter, yeah, Shift Enter. Well, I get it, but I mean, I don't get it. Um, Shift Enter is so much yeah. better, you know, and that's the one most other mail apps use. So. Uh, I created a shortcut in Keyboard Maestro. If I hit Shift Enter when I'm in Apple Mail, then hit the keyboard combination Command Shift D. I could have just as easily as done that in Better Touch Tool because Better Touch Tool fully supports those keyboard shortcuts to do something like that. Um, some other stuff with Better Touch Tool that I think is really handy: um, uh, contextual menus, like you know, mouse contextual menus. You can automate those with Better Touch Tool. Yeah. That I'm not aware of any other way to do that. I mean, I've, I mean, I've tried it with Apple Script and Keyboard Maestro, and I never get it to reliably work. Whereas I get it to reliably work with Better Touch Tool. And another one that you know, it seems to me like a big miss for Apple. They don't really have a built-in keyboard shortcut to move an app to a different space. And Better Better Touch Tool mm-hmm. has that as yep. available action. So for me, if I hit was it Control Command Right Arrow, um, it moves the existing app to the next space over. And if you use spaces, the ability to move apps between spaces is huge. I mean, rather than like monkey around with trying to get the you know the Mission Control view and get the mouse and drag it to the right one, you just hit a keyboard shortcut and it just moves it right over. It's so great. Yes. Yeah, it really is. And honestly, I wish um I wish spaces were more loved. Um I, I feel like the uh the development team that created spaces kind of forgot about it. Um, or they got dragged into something amazing and cool somewhere else. But the problem with that is that the spaces stuff doesn't have uh API, which is how, you know, app developers would talk to it, which is why 
Kibo Maestro and so many other apps don't have support for spaces because there just isn't a way to interact with them. Um, you know, Bunch can't open an app and put it in a specific space because there isn't uh, an API yeah. for that. Uh, and I'm not quite sure how the better touch tool developer has has managed to do this. Like, you know, obviously, um, you know, they're they're very smart people. So I, I figure they've worked um, out a way around it. Um, but it, it's certainly one of those things that you will find rarely um, within apps and also just supporting specific spaces. Microsoft Teams does not understand spaces very well, yeah. for example. But yeah, I'm, I'm really pleased that things like that exist. And, you know, it's really easy to just say, hey, like, yeah, I want to move one space to the right when I hit, you know, this this button or, you know, this keyboard shortcut or whatever it is. And, you know, take this application with me. Don't take this application with me. Though I do have a, a bonus tip for anybody who is using spaces, David, which uh, I feel like some people forget about. If you right click on any icon in your dock, um, then go to options, then um, there is an option to assign an app to all desktops um, or desktops on specific windows uh, or specific screens if you use um, uh, separate screens per display. If you share them across um, displays, um, then you can assign something to a very specific space, um, which is quite nice. Um, and I have to say, I like being able to say, hey, actually, this application, I want to show it on all my desktops, please. Um, but this one I only want to show on display two or whatever. So what I know you're using the betas. What do you think of stage manager as a window management tool on the Mac? Let's put set aside the iPad, but just on the Mac. I haven't really used it on the Mac because I used it a few times on the iPad and like, I love the idea of it. I just feel like I'm losing so much space. Like usually when I when I have multiple windows open, I'm using a lot of space on my monitors. Monitors plural. I have a 32 inch ultra wide and a studio display here. Um, and yeah. you know, there there's some space behind it, but there's not a border around the outside. And that's where I feel like Stage Manager is. You know, it's great for people who are using like two to three applications at once. But right now I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven applications visible in various ways. Um, and like it's kind of doable with stage manager, but it just doesn't feel like it's the same kind of doable. It, I, I, on on macOS, I guess it's one of those things that for me, this is, was not a problem needed solving for like the sort of shelf thing off to the left of the different views that to me, I hit F3 and I can see like every application on my desktop, which are way more than three. And then I can just mouse up to the top and I see all my different spaces. Uh, if I need somewhere to put files, that's where Yoink comes in. You know, it's it's one of those things where I feel like it's it's going to be really great for a lot of people. And at some point it may click for me, but I'm not there yet. What about you? I feel like it's really aimed at non-power users more than power users. And, you know, the whole idea that mm -hmm. you learn this paradigm and it works on the iPad and the Mac too. But I've been trying it on the smaller, on the MacBook Air, and because I've, I've got Ventura now running on that one. And I actually do find it kind of handy. And But you're right, it's not something you can run a lot of Windows with. Like, But if you break can break it down into components, like I've got a communications kind of stack of things, which overlap, but they do fit. Um, I, I don't hate it, I guess is what I'm saying. I'm just not sure mm -hmm. if it's something I'll use in the long run, but I'm trying to give it a, a legitimate effort. And it's not one of these things where like I'm using it just because I want to talk about it. I'm using it because I'm actually interested in seeing if I could make it work for me. 
Yeah. Have they added shortcut support for stage manager yet? I don't know. I don't know. Because uh, last time I checked, they hadn't, but this was fairly early on in the betas. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, it took a little while for the shortcut support. Or actually, no, I think the shortcut support for opening things in split uh, screen on iPad OS was was there pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that that that's something that you can do. But as far as I'm aware, stage manager just like spaces doesn't have a way for you to really interact with it from a, a nerdy perspective in the, Hey, like I want these, these applications opened in this particular um, stage manager setup. Go, go, go. Uh, I don't think that's something we can do just yet. I mean, one of the problems with that is there's no way to identify a specific stage or stage manager collection. You know, you don't name them like you would. I think yeah. automation would Unlike require. Unlike a tab group. Yeah, like uh, automation would require some identification and there's really no way for the user to identify them. Yeah, yeah. I think that's that's the problem. I mean, hopefully we're going to see that um, maybe in a point update. Um, I know, I think Stage Manager is not releasing right away with iOS 16 and macOS Ventura, is it? It's coming slightly later, um, I want to say, is what they said at the keynote. I'm probably wrong about that no, now. No, I think, I think it's supposed to release with the... With the general release, I think stage manager is on the initial release, but we'll see. I mean, it, it's definitely been evolving throughout the betas. Yes, yeah. And I, I honestly look forward to seeing what they do with it. And I really hope they add names and shortcut support because, you know, tap groups is one of those things. I was using it, but uh, not quite struggling with it, but wishing that I could use it more with automation support. And now they've added shortcuts, um, actions for tap groups. So I'm going to use them an awful lot more. I am using them a lot more now because I can say, hey, open this particular tab group and so on and so forth. You know, my podcasting code, um, thanks to iOS 16, it uses the tab group filter, um, but it doesn't use the tab group filter that you can set up in settings. What it does is a shortcut runs when my focus mode triggers for podcasting and then it it figures out which podcast I'm recording. It looks at my calendar and it, it tells me, hey, you're recording XYZ podcast. And then it, it sets the uh, Safari tab group to whichever um, you know, one is appropriate. I have ones for each podcast, so I don't have to have a focus mode per podcast. Um, I can have, you know, one focus mode for all podcasting and select different tab groups for each. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Man, I, I want more focus modes, man. That, that, that's one of my wishes, but not this year. Uh, mm-hmm. Another great Mac, simple little automation tool, pop clip. Pop clip is so good. Uh, David, did you see the really cool feature that PopClip added recently, which is being able to just select text on a website. Um, and then um, like, so on the pilot moon forums, pilot moon being the creation of PopClip. Yeah. And then that is, um, it's specially formatted text. It's formatted um, in, in YAML. So it's got, you know, like the, a special like name colon and then whatever it is, the name of the, the PopClip action. But you can select it and just add it. So you can see other people's actions, like you can read the code behind other people's actions and just select it and add it. Or you can copy it, paste it into something else, edit it, and then, yeah, select it and add it. Um, And I just thought that that was genius um, because it's a great way to enable sharing of actions whilst allowing other people to see what happens inside of it. Because there are so many times, I'm sure um, you've run into this, and I'm sure all of our listeners have as well, where you see an automation solution, it's really close to what you wanted and close to what you need. It's not quite, but you can't actually see inside of it to figure out what it is. Um, And public actions, um, unless you you know how to unpack them and, and, and so on, can be 
a bit like that. So I, I think these new snippets that they've added so that you can easily see something so that you actually know exactly what it is and how it works is just really cool. And of course, you know, they've not dropped support for doing things the old fashioned way where you could, you know, write scripts and, and, and bundle it all together, um, which is useful for, for bigger things. But I, I'm just really loving this as, as a feature. And I use, I have to say, I use PopClip all the time and I don't think about it. It took me a long time to get on PopClip bandwagon, but now, you know, I select text as a specific application and it shows or doesn't show me various actions and options based on, you know, what it is I've selected, what application I'm in and so on and so forth. It's great. Yeah. And I like a good example is title case. You know, I spent so many years writing interesting title case scripts, whether it being keyboard maestro, Apple script or whatever. The pop clip has a thing where you just select the text and it gives you an option. You push one button and it applies title case. You know, it's just like, I feel like it, it's a, it's a very automation friendly tool in that the execution is as simple as selecting text. You know, so if you're listening to this, you're like, well, you know, I don't want to spend a bunch of time writing a bunch of scripts. Well, you download pop clip, you go to their library page, you install whatever useful pop clips you want. And then, you know, it, it it's based on, you know, the history of this is, you know, on the phone, when you select text, it gives you a little pop-up that says, you know, make this bold or italic, or depending on which app you're in, it gives you additional options. Well, PopClip is like that, but it allows the community to create those actions. And there are so many mm-hmm. of them, and, you know, add it to OmniFocus, yeah. you know, search it, you know, reveal it in Finder, you know, go into an online thesaurus, you know, say it out loud, make it yep. all uppercase, make it all lowercase, you know, apply mm-hmm. title case. There's, there's like everything you can think of under the sun in this list. And it just keeps getting longer. And then they got additional features recently, as Rose was talking about. I mean, yeah. this one is such a no brainer. And I think it's part yes. of setup too. So it is, it's part of setup. It's available in the Mac app store. It's available directly. Uh, Nick, the developer behind it as well, is super lovely. I've put a link to the PopClip forums um, in in the show notes as well as the PopClip app itself. Um, Because um, if you've got an idea for something and you don't know how to do it, you can post it in the forums um, and get some support on it. Um, And, you know, it might be Nick. It could be, you know, one of the other very useful, lovely folks in there who who gives you a hand and points you in the right direction. Um, And you know, it's it's just a great place to go and find actions. And uh, something that the developer in me really loves, um, that the documentation for action creation is all available on GitHub. Um, and, you know, so if you want to go into the nerdy side of things of figuring out how to create your own actions and so on, you know, it's all documented, but equally you, you don't have to learn that to, you know, benefit from this app. You know, you want to be able to select something and then just see it in large, clear type in the middle of the screen. That's an action that you can download just straight away. Um, Really useful. This episode of the Automators podcast is brought to you by Text Expander. Go to textexpander.com slash automators to get 20% off your first year and learn more. When you work in a small team, every moment counts. You don't want to be wasting your time finding video conferencing details to send to a new client. You don't want to track down the same FAQs from the company website. And these are the kinds of things you want to have at your fingertips so you can get your work done faster. And that's why you need Text Expander. With Text Expander, you can access what you type the most with just a few keystrokes, allowing you to work faster and eliminate repetition, letting you focus on what matters most to you. 
TextExpander's powerful shortcuts and abbreviations streamline your team's work. All you have to do is type a short abbreviation and TextExpander does the rest for you. You just build and collect your most commonly used phrases, messages, URLs, and more right within TextExpander. Then create your chosen abbreviation and they'll be with you wherever you type. You can even customize the snippets by having them automatically add in dates, fill in the blank fields, timestamps, and more. This will make sure that you still keep the personality in the community you send. TextExpander is available on any device you use across any app you use on Mac, Windows, Chrome, and iOS. I use TextExpander all the time. It's my productivity tool. And when people tell me how do they start automating, I tell them get started with TextExpander because it makes it so easy. I've got so many TextExpander snippets under my fingers. I just sit at my keyboard and text magically appears. I love it. It's a huge boost to my productivity. If repetitive typing is getting you down, you need TextExpander. Check out TextExpander today at textexpander.com slash automators and you get 20% off your first year. That's textexpander.com slash automators to say goodbye to repetitive typing. And our thanks to TextExpander for their support of the automators. So David, something else near and dear to my heart is Safari extensions. You know, Firefox and Chrome have had loads of extensions for ages, but I find Safari is so performant on my Mac and great at not eating my battery life. You know, the fastest way to run down a Mac's battery is to open Chrome, um, probably with Slack um, or something. And then, you know, what is battery life? Um, yeah. But Safari has for a while been, you know, it kind of struggled with extensions. Um, there weren't really extensions and then there were extensions and then they all went away again because the underneath it kind of changed how they worked. And now extensions are back and extensions are everywhere. And there are some really great ones out there. Yeah, I, I, I've always felt like we've been sitting on the sideline of this as Safari users. We don't get the best extensions but there are some nice ones. Um, OM save for Safari. Yeah, OM save, as in save to OmniFocus yeah. with my custom setup that is just how I want. Do you want like a uh, an image of the web page included in in your uh, saved thing from Safari? You can do that with OM save. Um, you can have it automatically go to a certain folder, certain tags, etc. I you know I love this section. You maybe technically don't need it because you can use um, the not quite share sheet if you've got that set up or if you right click and it's available under services, but services menu kind of goes away sometimes. So OmniFocus may or may not be there. Uh, OmSave is just always in your Safari menu bar and it's a one button thing. You click it and it opens, you know, your OmniFocus input capture with the data that you have pre-filled and then you can just hit save and you're done. Um, I think you turned me on to this one, David. Uh, it was, you know, very affordable in the App Store. And it's, I use it all day, every day without even thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice having a little save to OmniFocus button in your in your Safari browser. Because there's a lot of stuff, at least for my life, that that ends up in OmniFocus in one form or another. And, yeah. and I agree. Uh, so the alternatively, you can set up like the uh, keyboard action where you set a custom keyboard shortcut and it runs a script that creates an action with the uh, the link saved. But um, I always called it Ohm Save, but you're right, it's Ohm Save that has to be the name. <laughs> but the um, <laughs> but it's going to be hard for me to unthink Om because that's what I've been thinking about it as all these all this time. But 
they uh it it just really does give you way more power and the preferences on it allow you to like you said um have a lot of control over what metadata shows up and how it appears yes yeah uh what i do really appreciate about omsave is that it's very simple um, and for um, anybody who's used, say, for example, Hazel before, and you've seen those sort of uh, little blue um, pills. blobs, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the pills with like yeah. words in them, um, like it's got that same functionality. So you've got the title, the URL, description, and then you've got space and new line, um, and you can drag those um, those pills into your title template, your note template, tags, and project. Um, and you can also, you know, checkbox the at the attach um, headline or screenshot, a headline image or screenshot of the website, or you can just say always a headline image, which will be whatever like the featured images on the page. That can yeah. be kind of difficult to figure out at a guess what it might be without going through and looking at you know a bunch of websites and then clicking the button. Um, and then of course there's screenshot as well. Um, but I like the fact that it it is just very simple and it always does exactly the same thing. I do have some shortcuts because unfortunately um, OmSave is only available on Mac. So I have some shortcuts um, for iOS, which allow me to do um, the same sort of thing. Or um, I have a more advanced one, which takes kind of like what is in the URL and the name of the page and tries to figure stuff out. Um, and I've tried using that a few times. Um, and like it's a great proof of concept um, in that it works. But it kind of feels clunky and difficult to maintain, which is why I've I've landed on my pushcut um, runs my Omni automation script solution, yeah. um, because you know it that that works just continually and the code is very easy for me to maintain and use. Um, but OmSave is great for just get things into your OmniFocus in the way that you you want things formatted automatically. So I'm pleased that that solution exists. And that very much is an automation themed, you know extension some of the there's a lot of great extensions but not all of them yeah. help you with automation the way this one does another one is awesome screenshot and yes uh, we both have this one <laughs> but uh yeah you want to get a whole page um screenshot there you go awesome screenshot. yeah yeah because yeah, if you take a screenshot in safari on um ios so that's iphone or ipad um, then it will give you an option um, at the top and you kind of have to look for it uh, to, to know where where it is. But you, you tap on the little screenshot thumbnail that appears and then you can change from screen to full page. It's at the top underneath the sort of edit button um, or edit buttons there, um, that, you know, where the pencil and the bin and the share sheet are. Um, but that's not something you can do on the Mac. And I'm not quite sure why, but either way, it doesn't matter because awesome screenshot will let me capture the entire page It'll let me select particular images or capture just what I can see on the page, capture it after a countdown. So if I have to like get my mouse into a specific place, but using the keyboard cancels whatever the mouse is doing, then I can do that um, and so on. I, I just find it a very useful little uh, utility that I end up using all the time. Um, and I'm, I'm glad that we have that. One, I don't know if this counts as as automation but one that i wanted to share was stop the madness are you familiar with this one i am familiar with this one but i'm gonna let you tell everyone about it david okay so it's a safari extension um that stops sites from making your browser harder to use <laughs> you know <laughs> uh, um you know when you get all these these pop-up warnings it starts to make you insane and that's the whole oh, yeah. idea of stop the madness is to stop the madness 
Um, yes. So I guess that's automation in the sense that it allows you to avoid a bunch of clicks while you're on the web. You know, um, a lot of websites deliberately disable user interface features in your browser that you expect to work, you know, and yeah. I don't know why they do it. I guess they're really trying to control your experience. That's a nice way to think about it. Um, trap you on their website is another way to think about it. And mm-hmm. um, I just, I just love this. When I got this extension, I don't remember who told me about it, but um, it's like suddenly the web got better. It's like the, yes. the clouds opened and the sun came through. Yes. I mean, it can do awesome things like uh, stopping uh, video autoplay and things like that. Yeah. So another great or two great utilities uh, for stopping autoplay of videos and getting rid of like those weird, horrible custom video players that you don't want because you just want the iOS or the macOS defaults, vinegar and baking soda. Um, they're, they're two separate Safari extensions that you can get iOS and macOS. Um, and, um, the, the, the bundles, the water bundle, cause that's what happens if you, you mix vinegar and baking soda. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I just love them because they will replace pretty much any and every video player out there with your just OS native one. So your standard hit space to pause works. Yeah. You, it doesn't autoplay. You have picture in picture. Things like that. Things that I want to be able to have from a video. Like if I've if I'm watching a video, I'm almost certainly gonna want picture in picture. So let me picture in picture it without having to like work around Google's YouTube using like wanting me to use Chrome to do this and other horrible, weird things. So uh yeah, uh, I Stop the Madness is is a great app as well, uh, or extension as well, um, which I'm I'm very much a fan of. And uh, there's another one that I did want to mention, David, which Scotty, my co-host on automated, uh, on nested folders, not on automators, turned me on to. Uh, and that is URL linker. And I didn't think about this as an automation tool for a while um, because he, you know, I just hadn't really considered it one. And then he reminded me that it can create different links for Safari page depending on which page you're on. So URL linker, you just right click on a page in Safari and then you get your your different options to, well, link the page. Um, and, you know, you can set it up for copy as markdown format and so on. But, you know, you can you can actually set up different options so that you, you don't have to just copy as markdown format. You can copy as markdown with prefix or you can copy it as a HTML or you can copy it with, you know, whatever it is that you want. Um, you can put the title and the URL in there, and it will just let you copy it as you like. So, you know, that's that's a great tool that I'm using quite frequently. You know, just right-click and select whichever option it is I need. Yeah, that's one I've got installed as well, and I dig it. And and you really can customize it a lot. So if you want to do different formats, you can. I generally just use the Markdown thing, but um, I dig it. Something else I, I am just going to kind of give a small shout-out to, David, which is all of those great apps with an open in feature. So, you know, when you try and open um, a link and it's like, hey, you need to log into Twitter to view the tweet. Yeah. Um, or whatever it is. I hate that. Everybody hates that because are you logged into Twitter and Safari? No, you have an app for that. Well, uh, every app developer who um, works, you know, creates a Twitter app, every app developer who creates a Reddit app, and I'm sure plenty of others out there have added these great open in features. So, it, it's kind of bouncy in that you open the link and it takes you to Safari and the Safari redirects you to whichever application it is that you have set up. 
but it also works yeah. and it works really well. So I no longer have the horrible experience of a friend has sent me a Twitter link. Obviously, I can tell because most of the tweet seems to be missing that they quoted something which is not in the preview. Thanks, Twitter. So yeah. I tap the Twitter link. It opens Twitter and I see a login screen. I get instead, it opens Safari, which then sends me over to TweetBot. And I then see the tweet properly in TweetBot, full context with everything. Um, and that is my my preferred way of doing things. So if you don't have those Safari extensions enabled, you can do this on macOS and iOS, then, then just enable those so that you then uh, get, you know, redirected to the the app of your choice um which means that you know if you do have um twitter and tweetbot installed or twitterific or whatever then you can disable the other options and it will still open in your preferred app and i very much appreciate that this is a feature that ios added and then all the all developers hopped on the bandwagon off this episode of automators is brought to you by hover one of relay fm's longest running sponsors when you have that one big idea, where do you go? Well, your business starts with a domain name. So for many entrepreneurs, Hover is that big leap. Hover has over 300 domain name extensions to choose from. No matter what you want to build, there's a domain name waiting for it. And they have excellent technical support to answer any questions you may have. And they're dedicated to getting you online, not upselling you. Hover has free who is privacy, so the bad guys don't get your information. A clean user interface and monthly sales on popular top-level domains. It's easy to see why Hover is the popular choice for people starting a business. I literally have lost count of how many domain names I've got, and my friends have got, and so on and so forth. You know, we're having a silly conversation, and before you know it, you've bought something like aspirational pajamas. And maybe there is a great business idea behind it, or maybe you're just putting together something fun and silly for your friends, or maybe you're just using that URL as a great way to point everybody else to something that somebody's using, like a service. Well, Hover is a great way to do that. We know you like intuitive user experiences and things that just work straight out of the box, so I know you'll appreciate Hover. Their UX and UI is really simple, clean, and easy to navigate. Buy your domain and start using it today. Go to hover.com slash automators and get 10% off all new purchases. That URL one more time, hover.com slash automators. Make a name for yourself with Hover. Our thanks to Hover for their support of this show and Relay FM. You know, you can also do some automation directly from your menu bar. Uh, there's a lot of great apps for that as well. Uh, let's yeah. start we on the HomeKit um, bandwagon. Let's talk about home control. I think that app yeah. is one that uh, is an automator's delight, and a lot of people don't realize it. Yeah, yeah. Home control. Um, honestly, I found it originally because it allows you to control HomeKit things via URL scheme, which means that you can then put that into any other automation setup that you're using, be that Alfred Workflows, Keyboard Maestro, Macros, a uh, bunch files, stream deck um, buttons. Yeah, you name it, you can put it in there. Um, and it works great because you just use the open URL action and it calls home control. But home control lives in your menu bar and it allows you to see kind of whatever you want. Um, so under the preferences, you can say, hey, I want to show scenes. I want to show devices. I want to show 
smart groups or sensors, and these are checkboxes. So you can have all of these if you like. If you've yeah. got a lot of devices in your home, I hope you've got a really tall screen. Yeah. Um, but you can then customize that as well so that you can hide specific things. Um, you can even have it show you different homes, David, and add keyboard shortcuts to different things. So if you want a keyboard shortcut for your beach wave scene, which flashes up your lovely uh, nano leaf light panels in sort of uh, turquoise with sandy, like a light gold sandy color, you can have that as a keyboard shortcut on your Mac. And it just, you know, it, I, I love the fact that it it works. It works really, really well. It's rock solid and it's right there. Um, there's another companion app for it called Homebot for shortcuts, which allows you to do crazy home automation stuff in in shortcuts which we'll talk about some other time but for me the way i got into home control was you know url scheme support it sounds so old-fashioned now but you know back back when this first came out there wasn't shortcut support on the mac and honestly running a shortcut to start a scene kind of feels like overkill now when i can just do it like this Uh, even though there are shortcut approved ways to do this i still run these url actions they're just so much easier right i mean yeah and i like i have a whole panel of stream deck buttons that just run the url actions and uh it's it feels like the most natural way to trigger home kit stuff it does it does um and so what i've done is home control for me only shows like devices and it only shows the devices that i'm going to want to control because I have uh, another menu bar utility, David, which allows me to control scenes, and it's called Scene Cuts. Um, scene is in like you know yeah. action scene, um, rather than I saw what you did at Disney uh, on Instagram. <laughs> there we go. Let's make that sound slightly less creepy. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Scene Cuts just shows scenes in your menu bar. So you click on it and voila, scenes. Um, and I really love having the two of them right there. It, it you know helps break things up. I have a lot of scenes. I have a lot of uh, devices. Being able to specifically control the things that I'm after very quickly and easily is definitely my focus. Uh, you know, I've got a lot of things automated, but uh, sometimes you just want to be able to click a button and have something appear or disappear as the case may be. Yeah, that one I had not seen before. Thanks for sharing it. Um, yeah, I only found out about it a few weeks ago. Um, I was going through the the Mac App Store, spelunking through, going, hmm, what cool stuff is there out there? And Scene Cuts caught my eye, which is great. I think I actually found it through QuietMeet, which is another great application. Uh, the developer of QuietMeet has made a whole bunch of really cool um, apps on, on the Mac App Store. Uh, his name is Pedro, and I have forgotten the rest of his name, which is probably for the best, because if I try to pronounce it, I will do horribly and probably insult him and his family, which would not be good. Uh, but Pedro, I love you. You added um, support for Microsoft Teams, I, be- I believe it was when I requested it, to QuietMeet. So QuietMeet basically tries to detect when you're in a meeting and automatically pulls your music. So if somebody calls you on, say, Microsoft Teams, um, then it will pause your music for you so that you're not scrambling with, oh my gosh, somebody's calling me. Where's the pause button? Oh my gosh, that's increasing yeah. the volume, trying to deal with all the stuff at once. No, it just does it. And then when you finish, it'll resume. That 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 to me was like the 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 really nice part. And it can run shortcuts as well. So if somebody calls you and you want it to automatically, you know, run something that will rearrange um, apps on your desktop and so on, then you can just put that into a shortcut and bam, it'll just magically do it for you. And that is developed by uh, Pedro is also the developer of home control menu and home bot and 
yeah. some of the other apps that we've been talking about today. So Exactly. Yeah. While we're talking about Pedro, he also makes ShareBot, which mm-hmm. is the, you know, there is no share extension for shortcuts on the Mac. I don't know why. I, I thought we'd get it with uh, with Ventura, but we did not. So no. uh, Pedro made, uh, made it a share extension for shortcuts called ShareBot. And at least for another year, it's still good, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's great, honestly. Uh, go check out some of Pedro's apps because um, he he's he's made some great ones. Uh, there there's all sorts there, like make pass, uh, making uh, passes for for your Apple Wallet and so on. You know that's not strictly automation related, though it has shortcut support. Um, but yeah, go check out some of his work. He's he's done some really great things uh, there, which I'm really pleased about. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure how many other applications live in your menu bar, David, but. I certainly have to mention CleanShot uh, because CleanShot for me is the upgrade to screenshots on macOS that I didn't know I needed until I got CleanShot. And then I I realized what I've been missing out on. Just simple things like it automatically copies a screenshot that I take to my clipboard. Yeah. Um, and they float in the bottom left-hand corner or the bottom right-hand corner or whichever corner I choose, you know, in, in my CleanShot preferences. Until I've decided that, you know, I'm, I'm good. So I can extend that period of time or I can have them stay there indefinitely. Um, I can really easily redirect them so that they automatically go to my downloads folder, which I know you can control this stuff with the screenshots preferences on um, built into Mac OS. If you hit command shift five um, or is it six, um, then, then you can get into an area where you've got preferences. But it kind of feels... Eh, like a little janky um, and weird sometimes trying to change some of that. And CleanShot just gives me so many more options, like scrolling screenshots. If you want to like screenshot, say, um, a, a chat that you've had, then you can start like a, a scrolling screenshot and you select the area on your screen and then you slowly scroll. Uh, pro tip, use your um, like a, a wheel built into your um, mouse or something rather than a, a trackpad where you might go left and right for that. Um, but then once you've, you know, once you, sc- uh, you know, finish your scrolling, you can say, hey, I'm done. And it, it just stitches it together, just kind of like Pixo does on iOS, where you've taken three or four screenshots and it stitches it all together. And I just, you know, I really love that it's there and it it does exactly what I need. It, it's got so many other features built in as well. I keep forgetting about them. Like it can OCR text. Um, it automatically hides your desktop icons when you're um, taking a screenshot of your desktop. It can play sounds or not play sounds as you like. Um, you know, it can upload things to the cloud automatically as well um, and have a specific wallpaper as your desktop wallpaper for screenshots. And that can be included or not included with Windows. I, I, like, I, I don't know how many options to talk about because there's so many. But it's if you're looking for something to upgrade your screenshot experience, take a look at CleanShot. It's available on a setup as well. Um, which is, um, you know, always nice. Um, but I, I just, I use it all the time. Yeah. I, same thing. Everybody was talking about it and I had, I was very good with the built-in screenshot tools, but like with clean shot, you can adjust the amount of padding around the image when you want a border around it. It's like every little detail is customizable. If you want, you can push one button and it immediately hides everything on your desktop. It's just, for people who use and share screenshots, this thing is a massive upgrade. I and I, I didn't get it either till I started using it. And I'm like, oh yeah, this is gonna stick around. 
Yes, exactly. And um, yeah, I'm just really glad that uh, we have all of those options. This episode of The Automators is brought to you by Hunter Douglas. Custom window blinds, shades, shutters, and drapery. Just go to hunterdouglas.com slash automators. You'd be forgiven if you didn't think too much about the blinds in your home. You might sometimes adjust them in the morning, close them at night, or just forget about them entirely. Because you never really understand how much window shades can actually do until you discover Hunter Douglas. Hunter Douglas offers unique shade designs that actually diffuse raw sunlight, casting a beautiful glow across the room. They're available in a gorgeous array of fabrics and colors that lend incredible style and the perfect finishing touches to a room's decor. They have industry-leading energy-efficient shades that provide superior insulation against heat and cold for year-round comfort, helping you save on those utility bills. And the best part is their PowerView automated shade technology. Look, we're automators here. We want automation in our shades, and PowerView allows you to schedule your shades to automatically adjust to their perfect positions throughout the day. From letting in light slowly as you awake to adjusting to block the hot midday sun or rising just in time for the perfect sunset. Innovative shade designs from Hunter Douglas make everyday living more beautiful, comfortable, and convenient. We spend a lot of time talking about home automation, but I think automation in your window coverings is a huge benefit. Sunlight is the best form of light you want in your room, and why not automate that with these Hunter Douglas shades? That way you can have it rise up to give you that sunlight when you need it and go down when you don't. Just think about walking into your office and having your shades automatically adjust for you for the perfect time of day. That's what you can do with Hunter Douglas. Hunter Douglas shades are compatible with all your favorite home automation systems, Amazon Alexa, Apple HomeKit, Google Assistant, IFTTT, and more. I know that listeners of the show would really love to be able to automate this stuff themselves too, helping them integrate their shades with their other products in their home. And you can get that control with Hunter Douglas. So get the style, comfort, and convenience you want with Hunter Douglas. Visit hunterdouglas.com automators today for your free style gets smarter design guide with fresh takes, creative ideas, and smart solutions for dressing your windows. Once again, that is hunterdouglas.com slash automators for your free design guide. And our thanks to Hunter Douglas for their support of the automators and all of Relay FM. Well, David, where else should we wind up? But where we find all the things in Finder. Sorry, I tried to make that into a pun and it didn't really work. But, you know, Finder. Let's finish with Finder. Close Let's enough. go with alliteration instead. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> there is the Finder is a good source of automation because... You know, yeah. when you're working with files, that is a pain in the neck. And if you can find ways to automate that, um, there are and there are little ways to do that. There are also big ways, you know, things like Hazel and some of the file-based automation we've talked about with the big with the big boys. But I, I think that there's a lot of little stuff out there that can also really improve that process for you. Yeah. And one of the ones that I stumbled across a while ago and, um, you know, I, I feel like I've not seen anybody talking about this is Service Station. Um, and Service Station is, is, is tagline is customize your right-click menu, Service Station for Mac OS. And I personally end up using this in the Finder the vast majority of the time. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it basically is just customize that context menu that you see. So whenever you right-click something, you'll see a context menu pop up. That's your right-click menu. Um, and, and, you know, Service Station is made for customizing this. And you can say, hey, uh, if it's this kind of file, I want this thing to be in my menu. Yeah. Or if it's in this folder, 
I want this thing to be in the menu. Or if this string is anywhere in the folder path, show me that. Um, and this is where, you know, it, it really gets to be amazing because you just have so many options. So you can say, based on your kind, file name, file extension, the path, the uh, uniform type identifier. So that would be um, if something identifies as text, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the file extension is TXT. Um, if the number of selected items, so if I have exactly two selected items, let me do this. Um, and then there's also a context menu type. So uh, if you've got files and folders selected, um, or if you're if you have selected the Finder window background instead of like specific files and folders, um, then you can have um, you know those those things show up. Um, and for me, this this is really useful. I use it for saying, hey, when I right click on something that's within this folder, then show me the the applications that I use for development. Um, but if I'm clicking, right-clicking a scripting file somewhere else, show me bbedit, please, yeah. because I'm probably going to want to open that in bbedit. You know, for every file, give me an, an folder. Well, for every folder, give me the option to open this in terminal. Well, actually, in iterm in my case, so that I can, you know, start from here in the terminal, which if you've already got the window open is, is just really useful. Um, and, you know... Uh, just all sorts of things. Um, and, you know, you can add applications and you can add scripts. Um, and, you know, you can go nuts with all this stuff. It's got sample files on the left and and all of that. But I, I just, like, I feel like this is normal and I, I forget that I've customized these things and then I was screen sharing with somebody at work the other day showing him uh, how we were, how I was planning on doing something um, so that, you know, we could see if we were on the same page or not. And he was like, hang on a second. How have you got all this stuff in your right-click menu? Yeah. Like, I need this. Tell me about this. Um, and uh, yeah, so I introduced him to Service Station, which was great. So yeah, I mean, there's there's other options out there too, like right-click booster, um, which, you know, does very similar things. Um, and it's it's scriptable too which is one of the reasons why I like it. I'm not as into it yet as I am with Service Station just because I've already got Service Station set up. Um, but service, but right-click booster allows you to do things like, hey, uh, you know, create a, an untitled text file here um, or open a new finder window at this particular folder um, or whatever it is. Um, and also, you know, it's, it's got some developer features like you can see um like your git status whether or not something's in version control if you need to add it or pull or something then that that can all show up and you know i just find this you know i find all of these options to be really great and i'm pleasantly surprised david the mac app store used to be a complete and utter wasteland um and every couple of months i go through and i just dig around and see what i can find and you know i found service station a couple of months ago and right click booster you know more recently than that but there's so many cool things in there um, that I just never knew existed. It seems like automation tools are getting through where I don't think they did a few years ago. Or people Definitely. are making more of them. I'm not really sure. I think it's a little of both. Um, I honestly think like BB Edit being back on the Mac App Store, um, which was a big thing um, yeah. because they weren't on the Mac App Store for a long time due to sandboxing and you know, the best version of BB Edit is still the version directly from bare bones, um, yeah. if only because the Apple don't take their cut out of it. Um, but also you get things like the terminal integration, which, you know, if you are into scripting and so on, is really nice to have. Even if you think, oh, gosh, terminal, I never use it. You know, 
trust me, at some point you'll run into something and you'll find out that, hey, you know, you can do this without even opening BB Edit if you've got the terminal commands installed. Um, so, so that's pretty useful. Um, but these apps are far from the only way to interact with Finder, David. Um, one of your favorites, Default Folder X, is on this list. Um, yeah. I mean, I use it all the time. Yeah. I mean, it's, a, it's just an upgrade to the open and save dialog box in a massive way. They've also got oh, yeah. a menu bar app where you can go in and like uh, access recent folders. Uh, one thing, though, on Service Station before we leave it is just as important to add things as you can also take them away in Service Station, oh, yeah. which is something I find I use the app for. Like sometimes I've got apps installed on my Mac that because I'm always trying things out, but I don't really want them to show up in contextual menus. And Service Station is the easiest way I know to go in and not only remove those, but you can reorder them there, which is really nice. But yeah, default folder X. So yeah, it, it goes way back. The reason it has the X in the name is because I believe it was on um, Next before it was on Mac. You know, it's one of these apps that kind of came over when with Steve Jobs to Apple. And um, it's, you know, I have it running almost all the time. I have to remember to turn it off when I screencast because I always get a lot of questions from people saying, well, what, what is that thing in your open and save dialog box? But I'm just so used to it. Um, it has like, it remembers your most recently used folders. It remembers your favorites. Um, if you, you know, the name, the big feature from the name is if I am saving a file from this application, put it in this specific place every time. Uh, mm. but it just does so much more than that. You know, it does more than yeah. just setting the default folder. Yeah, I mean, my the thing that I love about it is I'll often have a folder open um, where I've got a whole bunch of the files that are related to something that I'm working on. And then when I the save dialog opens, I can just click that folder. Yeah. And the, the save dialog just read, like pops over to that folder form. Yeah, so just to clarify that. So if you've got Finder open and then a save dialog box opens from an app, and you go outside of the save dialog box and just click in the finder in the background, it automatically puts you right there. It's it's a really great thing. I use that all the time. Yeah. Like I whenever I am on a machine that doesn't have that and I go to save something, I've got the folder open. I feel like a crazy person that's just trying to click stuff that doesn't exist. Um, like this happened on my dad's machine the other day. I was uh, trying to show him how to do something and I was like, can we just click over here? Why is this not working? Oh, right. I forget you don't have all of these apps installed. The good news is my dad is now the the proud user of a new uh, of a default folder X on his machine. Um, so, you know, because he realized once I showed it to him on my machine, oh, this is really useful. I, I'd, I'd quite like this, um, you know, that, you know, it, it would be good for him. So, yeah. But, you know, there's just so many great ways to to work with Finder, though. I think one of the 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 tricks for me sometimes with Finder is not using Finder. You know, Finder is pretty great, but it's kind of limited at times. And so I personally really like Forklift um, as my Finder alternative. I specifically like the two-pane view, and there are a number of apps out there that can do this. Um, there's, um, what is it, uh, File Commander. Um, there's a whole bunch of them on setup, including Forklift. Pathfinder, um, but yeah. Pathfinder, yep. Um, but I, I just really like Forklift. And what I really like about Forklift is I have my favorites, including workspaces. So my my workspaces are basically like, hey, open these particular folders like in the left pane and the right pane. So I'll use this when I am releasing an episode of Automators. I will 
you know, have a workspace opened and that has um, the automators folder that's in Dropbox on one side. And then it has um, the Linode upload on the other side so that, you know, I can drag the files over, um, put them into automators and automators max. Um, and then I can pop over to the Linode website and just, uh, you know, fill in the the bits of data that we need to do so that the episode is ready for release. Um, but it's nice to just know that my for my my forklift favorite has has that in so I can easily you know just use that every time and I've got so many of these set up that I don't don't even think about it anymore it's really kind of amazing how much it's it's wormed its way into my life I originally just used it for uploading files to the web uh, in various ways but it can do so much more yeah it's very good as an FTP client because it's really easy to use and, you know, yeah. like it's part of setup and, you know, you just get it. Um, it feels to me like intermediate in terms of finder replacements, like Pathfinder, I think has more bells and whistles, but their forklift is, it has what you need. <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah, it's just so easy to use and it has been continually developed now for a long time. So it's kind of got yeah. to that point where, okay, you know, like uh, when a new app shows up as a finder replacement, I'm always a little leery of it, but you know, when it's been around four or five years, you're like, okay, these guys are really serious about making this thing work and they continue to add features. I, yeah, I'm with you. I think this is a great app and it, it does become an automation tool because it gives you features. The finder uh, refuses to do so. Exactly. Like I can sync folders um, with a file uh, with forklift and I can say, Hey, only sync like files with this extension or don't sync files with that extension. Um, and, and, you know, and I can open that as a favorite again. Um, and it, it's got all your commands and everything built in. And one of the things I really love is it syncs as well. So all of my, my favorites sync through Dropbox to all of my other devices. So it doesn't matter whether I open Forklift on my Mac Studio or um, my my portable 14-inch MacBook Pro, um, which I named Alexandrite. I, I think I'm going Gemstones now. I, I was doing Star Trek ships for a while, but I ran out of uh, Star Trek ships. Um, well, I, I didn't, but I ran out of the ones that I, I love the names of. So I've, I've moved on to gemstones. Um, but yeah, it's got even better multi rename than, um, you know, the one built into finder. If you want something really great for, for file renaming, then, I mean, you throw a stone and you hit about 60 different options. I personally like name mangler. Yeah. Um, but you know, there, there's all sorts of things built into forklift, including, uh, something which, I kind of feel is a bit of a rarity with these apps, uh, FXP copy. So if you've got two servers which have got FXP enabled, then you can copy two fi- like files between them without it having to go through your Mac, which is often going to be the bottleneck with these things. Like, you know, having to download something to your Mac to upload it to another place, that's going to be slow. Um, but actually, you you don't have to do that. You can just sync it between the two places. Um, yeah. And it's, yeah, it's got so many cool things built in, including, you know, Dropbox support and everything else um, that you can, you know, really take advantage of it and enjoy that. So two thumbs up for Forklift. Definitely, definitely. And uh, I feel like we can't let Finder go without mentioning Alfred. You know, we've got to give it a hat tip at least. Yeah, but let's just do that because it's a big app. You know, we're talking about oh, yeah. small ones, but yeah, Alfred is is uh is a good one <laughs> there there's a yeah. lot of these good out you know you know i don't I, I, i'm gonna stumble into another hour and a half of content here if i'm not careful but yeah there are competitors to alfred that are equally good but man alfred with this latest update is really really hitting on all cylinders oh yeah 
Yeah. And if you're not sure what I'm talking about with Finder, Alfred, huh? Um, then um, all, all I can say really is oh, go to the Alfred website and then look at some of the things that you can do when you found a file. Okay, so find a file with Alfred. So look for something that you, maybe you downloaded recently or something and then look at the options. Okay, uh, because this is where you can go truly nuts. So you hit the tab key. You know, that that tab key is is kind of your magic button because it takes you to everything else. But then you've got open with, reveal and find or get info, copy to, move to, delete, copy with, replace to, move with, replace to. Browse this folder in Alfred. Open my terminal here. Copy the path of this file to the clipboard. Copy this file to the clipboard. Um, add it to a buffer so you can have like a, a stack of things and paste as plain text, all sorts. And, you know, it's just really great to have those options without taking your fingers off the keyboard if that's what you're looking for. All right. Well, I think we've we've done a pretty good job today. Uh, there are, as you can see, a lot of tools. In fact, we didn't hit everything in the outline. But, no. You know, we'll come back to this. Uh, but if you're looking for some little automation tools, I think today we've given you plenty to try out. In fact, Rose, you turned me on to a couple here that I, I've got. I didn't realize about soda water. So I've got that installed now. I can't wait to yep, test that yep, out. Yeah, the fizzy water bundle. Oh, from, fizzy water. Baking, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, baking soda and vinegar. <laughs> yeah, so there we yeah. go. Um, but, but either way, uh, check it out. Uh, we are the Automators Podcast. You can find us over at relay.fm slash automators. You can find our website at automators.fm. You can find the forum at talk.automators.fm. I had that thing happen just a few days ago where I had a question. I typed it into uh, Google, and it pointed me to a nice thread in our forum. So you never oh, yeah. know when that's going to happen. Thank you to our sponsors today. That's our friends over at Setup, Text Expander, Hover, and Hunter Douglas. Uh, we'll see you next time. Goodbye, folks. <laughs>